0: We are in verse four. So he will protect me because comfort. He is our comforter. Amen. So let us journey through. My sight is failing me. I'm seeing I I need more, more light. Okay. We continue with uh, Psalms 23, verses 1 to 6, and today we are in verse 4. And verse 4 reads, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy road and thy staff, they comfort me. Hallelujah. And the theme of today is God in the Valleys. God in the valleys. Remember the God in your valleys. I wanted to put it to, put it to you, church, that um, many are the times that we see, we think God is only with us when things are good. When all is well, we are at the top, the top of the mountains. But I can assure you that even in those times that we feel down, we feel neglected, God is with us. And it comforts us. Hallelujah. It all starts in Kings. I will put up, I will read uh, First Kings 20, I will read 23, then I will come to 27 and 28. Meanwhile, the officials of the king of Aram advised, their gods are gods of the hills. That is why they were so strong for us. But if we fight them on the plains, surely we will be stronger than them. That's 23. Then we go down to 27. When the Israelites were also mastered and given provisions, they marched out to meet them. The Israelites camped opposite them like two small flocks while the Armenians covered the countryside. The man of God came up and told the king of Israel. This is what the Lord says. Because the Armenians think the Lord is a God of hills and not God of valleys, I will deliver this vast army into your hands and you will know that I am the Lord. Hallelujah. So these people, the Armenians, thought that the only only reason why They were defeated the other time. It's because the Israelites fought on the hills. And they were saying this God of theirs is only a God who helps them when they are on the hills. That is when you are on the top. You feel life is a roller coaster. Everything is going so well. But now, let us fight them in the valleys. And this is where the man of God is saying now, This is what the Lord says. So, as men and fathers, we are telling you, family, wives, children, that even those times when you feel we are not there, we are here for you. That time you feel there is a certain problem that you can't share with us, we are saying we are here for you and here with you. So we are opening up as fathers this morning. That whatever issues we have as our children, as our wives, please come through. Let us not just celebrate those times when things are good, but even when you are low, as fathers, we are opening up to you and saying, Come, just as the Lord is not the God of hills, but is also the God of valleys. You are saying, What is what is this valley? When you talk about a valley, what is it? What are we supposed to do? What is a valley? A valley is a dry and empty place where nothing grows. Nothing living survives in the valley. A valley in the Bible is a symbol of difficult times. Most of the time, you and I live in valleys. But I'm here to encourage you that even in these valleys, God, our creator, is well with us. And he will fight with us through those valleys in Jesus' name. Now, three things about valleys. I'll lay down what we know about valleys, what kind of valleys to expect, and what do you need to remember in the valleys Let's go now to types of valleys. There are many valleys that the Bible talks about, but in the interest of time, I'll only talk about three valleys. The first valley is excuse me valleys, three things about valleys: Valleys are a part of life. Valleys are inevitable. Valleys are a part of life and valleys are inevitable. Valleys are with us. Tough times are with us. Those times of bruising will be with us and are with us in Jesus' name. Believe me, you, God's plan for your life contains hills and valleys. We can see this in Deuteronomy 11, verses 11. Deuteronomy 11, verses 11. But the land you are crossing the Jordan to take possession of is a land of mountains and valleys. This is God telling the Israelites. They are going into the promised land, the land of milk and honey, but he's saying, But the land you are crossing the Jordan to take possession of is a land of mountains and valleys that drinks rain from the heavens. Even when you are in God's plans, church, valleys are part of it. And again in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12, the Bible reads, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fear or deal that has come in you, that has come in to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. So those tests that come in our lives are not strange. It's just that values are part of our lives. Amen. You have problems in your life, not because you are bad, but because you are human. So valleys are part of us. Number two, valleys happen to everybody and they are impartial. They don't choose. These valleys will come to all of us as children of God. There's the scripture in Psalms 34:19. The righteous person may have many troubles. But the Lord delivers him from them all. The good news is, even though these valleys don't choose and they'll be everywhere, the Bible says the Lord delivers us or him out of them all. Hallelujah. Nobody is immune or insulated to problems in this world because we live in a fallen world. Not that we are bad, not that we are evil, but the world that we live in is fallen. Hence this. Matthew 5.45 goes on to say, That you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. No, No impartiality there. We'll go through this, but God will see us out of them all. Number three, these valleys are unpredictable. If we could predict them, if if we could plan for them, then it would be well and good for us. This is why they are a problem, because they are unpredictable. That is, you can't plan. You can't predict. And sometimes, if not oftentimes, they come at the worst time. Proverbs 27.1 says... Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Better still, say, God willing, tomorrow I'll do this. Amen. Quickly, let's go to the types of valleys. In the interest of time, I'll just cover three. Number one, the valley of failure. Valley of failure. How many people can tell me here that they've never failed in their lives? We have always been victors, we have always been celebrating, it has always been good. No, there is a valley of failure, and we are going to experience it. Hallelujah. What is this valley of failure? What is this valley of failure? The valley of failure is sometimes called, or it's called in the Bible, Sidim. Sidim is a valley of failure and you are going to go through it. You and I, we are going to go it through it in life. This is a failure where you sleep, you fall, and you get stuck. Especially when you are trying to run away from something, responsibility. You have a responsibility and you try to run away from that responsibility. Then you find yourself in this failure. You try to run away, you sleep, you fall, and then you get stuck. Sometimes we are stuck in life, and when we are stuck in life, just know that we are in this valley of failure, or Ossidium. What is your Ossidium today? What are you running away from? You need to face what you are trying to run away from. I don't know if it's that habit that you have failed to kick, that I've failed to kick, but you need to face this. It does not matter what your sitting is, where you are stuck, the good news is you can be stuck and you can think it's a failure, but I'm telling you that Jesus can get you out of that debt of failure, amen. Sedim is a place in your life you would like to forget, and it is a part of public failure. But I've said, you can be a public failure today. People can say he failed, she failed, but the Lord Jesus Christ will lift you up. Hallelujah. Number two is the valley of fear. The valley of fear, oh, the valley of eshko. What is fear? Maybe you need to write this so that you remember. Maybe, or you'll be remembering when you just see me. So, but This is what Pastor Nicholas was saying. Fear is false evidence appearing real. It's false evidence, but when it appears real, then it instills fear in you and I. But know that it is. Not fear per se. God had said, we can bring this to the time Moses, the Israelites were going to possess their lands. Moses sent the people to go and spy the land. God had said, go and possess the land that he had given to them. Oh, they can back off. In the valley of fear, it's either you move or you give up. What is your valley of fear? What is the place that you are afraid to move in? Are you going through the valley of fear? Are you going through it? If you are going through the valley of fear, my encouragement is, face your fear. Take that risk or you retreat in fear. But because we serve a living God, he will not allow you To retreat in fear. Face your fears. Take that risk. Go back to school. Go and talk to that uh, friend. That issue, face it. And you'll no longer live in fear. How do you know you are in fear? Or how do you know you are in the valley of Eshko? Right now. Maybe just try to think hard. Or close your eyes and see what is in front of you. What do you see in front of you? Is it an obstacle? Or is it an opportunity? When you see, all you see is an obstacle. Then my brother, my sister. You are in the valley of fear. I'm encouraging you. But open those eyes. We have a God who is our comforter. And begin to see an opportunity. Begin to see God working in your life. Begin to see yourself successful in Jesus' name. Last but not the least, it's the valley of weeping. Which the Bible talks about saying the valley of Baca. The accompanying scripture is Psalm 84, verses 5 to 7. It said, blessed are those whose, whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on the pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Underline that. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Baka comes from a Greek word which means weeping. It means dry, arid, waste, barren, and dusty land. This is when you are going through a dry time in your life, when your joy has all but dried up. Maybe you are grieving. Maybe you are the one that is weeping in the valley of Baka. In the valley of Baka, my family, Nothing grows there. Nothing is productive. There is no fruit, just tears. It's dry, grieving, and weeping. And we go through these times when we just feel nothing is working. Whatever you do, nothing seems to move. It's dry. You are in the valley of parka. But in this dryness what the Lord is, expects is us to overcome and then grow from strength to strength such that when you stand before God he will ask you and I when you went through this valley and all these other valleys did you lay what did you learn or experience from this did you grow from strength to strength keep growing growing, family, in that valley until you face God. Even when you are weeping, God wants, hear this, hear this well. Even when you are weeping, God wants to use those tears to water the dry land. You are weeping. It's difficulty. It's rough. It's tough. And you are weeping. But here is what God is saying. He wants to use those tears to water the dryness he wants to use those tears to bring peace so when you cry as you weep in that situation it should not be a weeping of defeat but it should be a weeping of calling upon the lord and as you weep as you drop your tears god we will use those tears to turn that dry land into a watered land. To t- turn that bad situation, that impossible situation, into a situation that will turn things good. That's the valley of Barker. I remember I, from Chris Warren, he talked about William Booth, the founder of Salvation Army. He wrote something. He sent someone to go And preach in another country. And this is what the man wrote back to William Booth. He said, I have tried everything. I have tried music. The way the men were singing here very well and we were all moved. But he said, I have tried music. I have tried praying. I have tried services. But nobody is interested to come to the Lord. That's what he wrote back to William Booth. Then he said, what else can I do? You know what William Booth replied to the young man? William Booth replied just two words. Try weeping. Try weeping. Why? Because when you weep in the Lord, the drops of your tears, that is what he will use to heal the land. Hallelujah. So don't weep in defeat. Weep knowing that our God will hear you. Weep knowing that our God is ahead of us. As, we, as I'm concluding, what are the facts about values? What are the facts about values? They are inevitable. They are impartial. They don't choose. They are unavoidable. And brothers and sisters, we are going to go through them in life. In conclusion, now, when I go or you go through the valleys, what do I need to do? Church, what we need to remember is the verse of today. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your road and your staff, they comfort me. God bless you as we continue with the service as Brother Chris picks it up. Amen. Amen.
1: Pastor Nicholas, good morning, church. Um, <clears throat> honored to be here on men 's Sunday. Uh, I have the second part of the verse, and I 'll get there in just a second. but uh, when I saw that many guys on stage grabbing microphones, I was excited, and secretly, I was wishing to hear <laughs> <laughs> But you guys you skipped that one. so next time, consider that for for men 's Sunday. I like that deep, rich, is that tenor? That's bass. That's bass. Um, In America today, it's Mother's Day. I don't know if it's Mother's Day here. I know we have a different Mother's Day. But uh, it's kind of fitting that the guys are doing all the heavy lifting on Sunday if we are celebrating Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to the mothers who keep us all in order, my mother and the my wife, the mother of my children too i 'm grateful for them, uh, and all the mothers in the house. Um, we we're looking at this this psalm twenty three and the truth is there are so many sermons from this one psalm, and it 's evidenced by this morning we 're in one verse of this psalm, and there's so much rich things to draw into our lives. Uh, My half is the second half of 23.4, which says your rod to protect and your staff to guide, they comfort and console me. Uh, As I thought about this this week, I was just thinking about the symbolism. So I did a bit of research on sheep and shepherds and these weapons or or these tools of their trade, the, the rod and the staff. And I actually hired a guy to make me a rod and a staff. So I hired at the beginning of the week, and we talked in the middle of the week, and things were good. And on Friday, I said, hey, can I come by? And he said, everything's going to be good to go on Saturday. And I assumed that meant I'm going to pick these things up and have them to bring to church. So on Saturday, I was around the corner from his house, and I said, I'm almost here to pick up my rod and my staff. And he said, I'm in Luancha. I didn't make your rod and your staff. And I'm like... You're lucky that you didn't make me a rod, because <laughs> I'm a little bummed out right now. So a rod is like, it's, it's a weapon. It's an offensive weapon that a, a shepherd would use as he was driving, uh, as he was leading sheep in pasture. And it's like, it's, imagine the size of like a, a crowbar. And at the end of this crowbar, there's a big heavy knot. And this is for close-up battle. We know from, from a lot of David's writing in the Bible that as a shepherd, even as a young boy, he had to fight hand-to-hand with a bear, with with wolves. Probably in that time there were lions in that area. And they, he's having to like do cl- up-close physical battle with these animals that would come to get the sheep. So the rod is symbolizing a weapon, an offensive weapon of protection of the sheep. And then the, sh- the staff is more than two meters tall and it's hooked at the end. This is the, the quintessential shepherd hook that you see. These guys, they weren't just like leaning on them as they walked and it wasn't for helping them walk. It was for kind of steering and, and gently drawing the sheep back into line, back into direction, back into safety, back towards the shepherd. Uh, and the more I read about sheep and a shepherd, the more I felt grateful that the Lord is our shepherd. Because what I learned about sheep. And there are many verses throughout the Bible. Where God's people are referenced as my sheep. Sheep are not the the, the smartest animals ever created. One thing I read about sheep. And this goes back to another verse in Psalm 23. You know the, the part about still waters. The reason sheep cannot go drink from rushing waters or swirling waters is because they constantly would fall in and their, um, their wool gets so soaked with water and heavy they just sink like stones. So the shepherd would have to like even getting a sip of water could be a dangerous thing for a sheep. Sheep are also not very sure-footed. If they would get into terrain that was a little sketchy or steep sometimes goats can handle that like it's no problem. Sheep on the other hand they are just either good at freezing or tumbling. They need the help of a shepherd. And the other thing about sheep is they don't have a whole bunch of fight or flight in them. They, they freeze. When bad news comes, we, we learn that most humans have, have one of two reactions. It's either fight. How many of you would say, I'm a fight versus a flight? That means run away. Who's a fighter? We got a few fighters. I see some fighters in the room. And then who's, who's, who would say, I'm more with the flight crowd. I want to run away from trouble. Who's a runner? Yeah? Yeah, I've done both. It depends how big the bad guy is. But <clears throat> sheep don't have either one of those. They just kind of freeze. They, they really need help all the time. And as I just thought of that, I just felt grateful that if, if I'm a sheep... I don't think God thinks I'm stupid. I hope not. I really don't think that. But if I'm a sheep, I need to lean on the shepherd. Something else that I learned about sheep, I come from Texas where you've probably seen movies of cowboys, isn't it, up on horses? We don't all ride horses through town. We're, we're a little more developed than that, but we have ridden horses and there, there are guys like that all around us. But when they're driving cattle, they are driving. They're pushing with pressure from behind. They're forcing cattle the way they want them to go. But God never says, my people are like cattle. He's leading from the front. The shepherd is leading because he knows the best way. He's out front of the sheep and he knows where they need to be to, to get to safety, to get where their destination is. And, and that is one of the pictures we can take away today, that we have a shepherd who is lovingly guiding us. He is out front. He is showing us the way because He's been there. Because He knows how to get us where we're going. Uh, So He's not going to drive and pressure you. He's not going to force you. Because God knows what what we need. He is a loving Father. And we're going to, at the end, we're going to have some ministry time. But I just want everyone here to just accept the invitation that... The loving Father is calling you back into the fold today. One of the things I loved also about researching these shepherds, I think in my head, I was picturing shepherds as maybe like, I don't know if it's the dress that shepherds, what are those called? It's kind of like a man dress, isn't it? The long flowing thing that they wear and they have the head covering and I just imagine them with their staff and their sandals just like like frolicking, Not walking with purpose. I didn't think these are the toughest guys. But as I read about them, I thought, man, these guys are gangsters. They're tough. They're hardcore. I didn't realize. One of the things they do, first of all, they have to stay completely vigilant throughout their shift. They have to, like I said, sheep can fall. They can drown. They can be taken by animals. They can get lost. They can wander. Have you ever gotten hurt? I can easily, I've been hurt by other people. I've wandered away. Have you ever wandered away from God and done what you know you shouldn't do? Go to territory you know you shouldn't have gone. And then you get there and you're like, I wish I hadn't done this to myself. The same thing that happens with sheep happens with us. But these shepherds, they are constantly fighting back the foes of the sheep. They are constantly reaching out that staff to draw them back into the fold to invite them close to the shepherd, into the warmth and safety of a family, into the guidance of proper direction and purpose. And the other thing is this, when the shift is over, it's still not over. They, after the sheep have been at pasture, eating for the day, they draw them into a pen like a corral. And whether it's covered or not, the gate is shut, the door is shut. And then, guess where the shepherd sleeps? Right at the doorway. He is not going to let any wolf cross into that corral and take a sheep. He is going to make sure each sheep gets into its safe bed at night. That shepherd is not playing games. He is taking great care in great seriousness to guard and protect. To guide and direct. That's what he's doing to us. God the Father is guarding you today. He's protecting your life. He is wanting to guide you and direct you where you should go. Not to force and pressure you because he's just mean or he thinks you're dumb and you've picked wrongly. No, it's out of great love. It's out of intense care and amazing compassion. Thank God that we have a kachema like Jesus. Thank God that he is on our side. Thank God that he doesn't beat us over the head with that giant two meter stick because me sometimes the language I would best understand is what do you guys say Jack they're always making up new languages over here but he doesn't do that he's not beating us over the head with a stick he's reaching out to extend his reach and he's saying all right back to the path guys back to my path Chris you wandered off again you didn't learn the first 431 times. You have wandered again, but let me draw you back home. Oh my God, Chris, you've almost fell off the cliff. You're in danger. Guess what? I'm not going to say I told you so and walk away. I'm going to reach down. I'm going to get into trouble with you. I'm going to leave the 99 in their safe pasture and come and get you and draw you back. If you're injured, I'm going to... Many of the pictures that have been painted over the generations of shepherds, show shepherds, these are not just biblical Christian-based paintings either. One of the big jobs of shepherds is carrying sheep around. I always thought it was just because it's a biblical thing that Jesus is so loving that he's like always hugging sheep. (laughs) No, it's not that. It's because sheep are always getting injured and he's not going to leave them behind to be taken away by the wolves just because they've got a broken leg. He's going to stitch it and then he's going to carry them until they can walk on their own. That's, that's our shepherd. He's carrying us when we're injured. That's how he treats us. And this verse is such rich symbolism that we could go on and on and on. And I promise I won't do that. But I do want you to just remember the rod and the staff. The rod is to protect you. Your shepherd is always wanting to fight your enemies on your behalf. Because he knows that you don't have teeth. You're like a sheep. You don't have fight or flight, but you also don't have teeth. And when the teeth come, you're in big trouble. But he's willing to fight on your behalf. And then the staff is to guide you and direct you. It's care. It's compassion. It's not pressure or frustration. And some of us have felt like God is a distant God or he's an angry God. He's frustrated with me. There's nothing I can do right in his sight. And the truth is, you can't. But... He still is passionately in love with you. He still is a shepherd that wants you in the fold and would do anything to keep you there. Can we say thank you, Jesus? Just a few quick things from Rick Warren's amazing teaching on on this verse. If we bring him our hurts, he shows us compassion. If we choose to follow him, he leads us in the right direction. If we wander off, just like I said, he finds us and brings us back. If we fall, have you ever fallen? If we fail, have you ever failed? I have. Did you do that? Did you fail this week? I have. Have you fallen this week? I have. Have you wandered this week? I have. He reaches out and recovers us. And if we trust him to save us, he keeps us saved. He keeps us safe. He's sleeping at the doorway. He's in between us and all our enemies. This verse to me, God is just reminding me and everyone in here, of our great value. Maybe you came in here feeling unvalued or devalued or someone has spoken something that is ringing in your ear that makes you feel useless or foolish or low. Let me tell you, your shepherd thinks the world of you today. God the Father is saying, you, my child, my son, my daughter, you are highly valued He's also zealously defending us and I want a defender who's going to fight hard on my behalf. Not just a guy wandering around in sandals, but he's holding a weapon. (laughs) He's watching and waiting. He's fighting for us. He's protecting us. He's willing to go to any length to bring us back. We read this about the shepherds. He'll go and find the lost one. He'll go rescue The missing, the hurting, the broken. He laid down his life for us. And the shepherds that I read about, they would lay down their life. They put their, their job was full risk all the time. They were not just passively wandering. They were vigilant. They were zealously defending. And they lovingly encourage us. God is lovingly encouraging us to draw near to him. Could you just stand as I read a verse? I'm going to read this verse over us, and then we're going to do something special. <clears throat> I'm going to read if you want to check it out later or follow along. But what's best, I think, is if you just close your eyes and, and receive this as I start reading in a second. It's Isaiah 43, 1 through 5. But just before we get there, a while back we had uh, an encounter weekend where... We were just inviting people to have a, a fresh moment, a fresh encounter with Jesus and with God the Father. And we had some warm and cozy blankets and we just had this thought that as the Father is good at welcoming his kids home and drawing them into his arms, uh, what if we just did a symbolic thing and, and invited those who feel like they, they've been wandering sheep And they come close and get a big hug. And that was a very powerful moment. Testimonies have still come in from that. So we thought as we're talking about God the Father today being our amazing shepherd. We're going to bring back the cozy blankets. And at the end of the service, if you feel like a sheep that has wandered. And you feel like God has been nudging gently to you to come back into the fold. We want you to come and get a hug from one of the fathers of the house we want you to, if you've been hurt or broken, we want you to come and get a hug and get the sense that the shepherd is lifting you up and carrying you when you can't walk on your own. And if you have failed or fallen, we want you to to know the welcoming love of a forgiving father. So we're going to do that just now, but I want to read this to you. So just if you'd close your eyes and if you feel comfortable, just open your hands. It's I always try and think of open-handed prayer as like being ready to receive a gift, ready to receive what heaven is going to pour into us. Now, this is what the Lord says, the one who created you. Just pause there. Our Father created you. He had you in mind. You're no accident. You were formed with care. You are created. And he formed you, O Israel. Don't be afraid, for I will protect you. I call you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'm with you. When you pass through the streams, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned. The flames won't even harm you. For I'm the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your deliverer. We have a personal deliverer, we have a nearby shepherd. We have a compassionate handler. He goes on to say, since you are precious and special in my sight and I love you, I won't leave you. Don't be afraid, I'm with you. I'm with you. No matter where you've been scattered, I will gather you back. So God, today, we stand in awe of the fact that we have a shepherd like you. Guiding us gently. Directing us with your, your staff. Drawing us back into the fold when we've wandered or fallen or been hurt. And God, you also with your rod, you protect us. You're not going to let our enemies overtake us. Maybe this week has been feeling like you are under attack and you can't handle it and you can't stand. And the bullets are coming from everywhere in every direction. But today, know that your shepherd has a rod and he's fighting on your behalf. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us so much that you'll do whatever it takes, that you came and you died on the cross to rescue us, to draw us back into the fold. And Father God, today there's a heart that needs a hug. There's a sheep that needs rescue. There is a family member that needs welcoming back into the fold. There is someone here who has just felt pain, who has felt separation, who has felt fear, who has gone through a valley like Pastor Nicholas said, all these different types of valleys of grief and sadness, of fear, of failure, of frustration. They just make us feel so far from you. But what a gift today it is, Jesus, Father God, also to know that we're not alone in those valleys. You You are vigilant. You are with us. You are with us. So I just bless everyone in the sound of my voice to just sense a touch from Father God. Picture yourself being drawn back in by His gentle and compassionate care. Picture yourself being led in the right way. Led in the right direction. Headed towards your purpose. Headed towards your destiny. Not even... Speed bumps can stop you, but he knows where you're going and he's going to get you there. I just pray right now that the work you're doing in someone's heart, Father God, that you would seal it today, that there would be breakthrough in this room, that there would be power in this symbolism, and that we would walk out in greater freedom. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.